When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Mike Luke, joined by Ben White. Ben and I were on the radio for two hours uh, just recently uh, this morning. So if you're able to, uh, if your ears are still okay from that and you're back, we appreciate you. The venerable William Brad Alice. Hello there, William. Did you sing, Michael? Uh, excuse me. I did not sing. Did I not sing. Have, then we should have fans still. Yeah, that's a exactly. good point. I thought you were going to actually give me a compliment right there, but I thought I Brad, give you they told us if he uh, sung Brad, we, we would not be invited back. So he had to hold off on that. No, now Ben, you grew up in radio. Do you remember, or did you ever were aware that you used to have to be on the air on the board, have to have an FCC license. Like I had to pay $35 for a license when I first got into radio. They would revoke Mike's license if he if he easily. sung on the radio. Yeah. Oh, easily. stop! Many quote the great Kevin Woodman. Many uh, many children have lost their hearing because of that singing. But you know what? We did what we could do. So, all right, guys, we have got this is a big Stanford stinks. I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, they don't. They just lost to Sac State. But this is a huge game for Arizona. This is a must win game for Arizona football, and a big reason why is that. Listen, to me, the goal always this season is to become bowl eligible. You got two games coming up right here that you should be able to win and that you should be able to beat Stanford and you should be able to beat ASU. Those are the two games where you that gets you four wins. You got to sneak two wins out somewhere else as well. Guys, Ben, Brad, this is a must win for the Cats. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, like we talked about this morning, when you look at the the schedule and the way things stack out, not a lot of games where you look on the schedule and say, oh, yeah, Arizona's going to win that game, no problem. This is really the last gimme game of the season um, because even if you play Pac-12 teams like Stanford, you know, I get Stanford's bad, but even teams like ASU at the end of the year, it still could be a big game even though they stink, right, because there could be something on the line there. They want to end Arizona's season. Maybe they're one game away from bowl eligibility. So it's huge. You've got to get this win. Um, Stanford has looked bad. Uh, their defense is not so hot. They've got to figure out their quarterback situation. I think they're headed in the right direction after Shaw. The recruiting is getting better, but uh, very much like a 2021 Arizona-type football team where uh, you know they're not going to be very competitive. So to me, Arizona's got to go out there, take care of business because you've got to find a way to find six wins this year, Brad, and uh, it starts with getting the win on Saturday. Well, yeah, because the stretch from here is is insane unless someone falls off the map. I mean, you have right. ranked teams, yeah. and they won't all be ranked when Arizona plays them, but most of them will until you get to ASU. And as bad as ASU is, and right now, I mean, they were a bad team who's now having injury issues, it's still the ASU game, and that's when weird things happen. Yeah. So if you don't get this one, if you get this one, then you just got to scratch out what? Uh, a couple more, and, and you know, my my thing is, I think you've got this middle tier of Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, Colorado. You probably have to go two and two there, beat ASU, beat Stanford, and, and then you got your bowl eligibility. Um, to me, this is also a get, kind of a get right game. I don't, right. 
I was unimpressed with Arizona overall against UTEP. They have to figure out from going, being a efficient offense who can move the ball to a scoring offense. Cause you're going to have to put up 40 in probably two or yeah. three of these games coming up. Uh, Washington's going to be a shootout. If you're going to hang with Washington, um, 500 yards and 30 points is not going to beat Washington. Um, USC is kind of the same way. Now USC's defense is a little suspect at times. Uh, we've seen that UCLA seems like they can score. Um, I, I'm not as convinced Oregon State can make the the leap to better competition, but Washington State can score. I mean, you, uh, Colorado can score. So you 30, 38 is going to win a few of those maybe, but not many. You're probably going to have to start getting into the 40s, and you couldn't do it. And, again, there's other circumstances. I know NAU went on an eight-minute drive. You had four turnovers, five turnovers against Washington State. But you got to score some points, and you got to figure out how to maybe get a few big plays. Because really, other than the long Delora run, they uh, every touchdown's been you know what inside of twenty five yards. Right. The I think when it comes down to it, I look at the schedule though, and there's two came there's two teams that I look at, and I'm like, mm, I don't know how Arizona's getting a win now. Um, I, certainly things can happen. I think Washington is going to be very very difficult. I know it's here in Tucson. Everybody be at that game, by the way. Washington and SC are the two teams, but after that. I don't see why Arizona can't beat Colorado. I'm not saying they will, but um, you watch Colorado. They uh, TCU isn't good. Nebraska's not good. They went into double overtime against Colorado State. That's a game that you can win, even though they're ranked. UCLA, kind of the same. These, while a lot of these teams are ranked, Brad, I don't look at them and say that these are unsurmountable games or insurmountable games. And as a matter of fact, I think that Arizona's going to steal a couple of them. No, I think you're right, but here's that's why I need to see them score some points because. TCU is not a good football team, right? They'd beat NAU by 25. Colorado put over 40 on TCU, right? Um, you know, same thing. Colorado State and Colorado State blew that football game. That was a brilliant coaching job for 45, 50 minutes and a terrible coaching job for 10. Um, UCLA is scoring point. I mean, that's the thing. Arizona is moving the football. They're not. And again, 30, 38 points is actually like the fourth most they've scored against NAU since the series resumed in 2001. It's not enough. I mean, when when you're putting, you know, when Oregon scoring 80 on similar right. teams, um, when Washington's putting up 45, 50 points on, you know, D1 opponents. I know they're D all. They're not all D1. They're one double A. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, Arizona's efficient with the football. They move the football, but you you can't score 31 points when you get 500, 600 yards of total offense. It just, yep. you, and that was probably, that was kind of Arizona's problems last year. Now, the defense is better. And that's what I also want to say. I want to see the defense come on and, 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 and really limit Stanford like they've done the last really three games. As, as, although, you know, Mississippi State's going to get credit for 31. Three of those were short fields although they looked awful last week. So maybe that's not as good a football team as we thought. But Arizona's better. But to have a better record than last year, you've got to keep improving. And and frankly, I thought they regressed a little last week. All right, let's Yeah, and well, the elephant in the room, too, is when you look across the Pac-12, all these teams are better this year. While Arizona may have a better roster, they may have better talent, it doesn't necessarily equate to they're going to win more than five or six games this year, just because Washington is at a high USC is at a high Washington state is always tough at Wazoo. You got cam ward in there from Houston at quarterback, Oregon state with DJ at quarterback. I mean, these are not going to be easy games. And to Brad's point, 
I, I would agree with him on the UTEP point because especially in that first half, like he said, Arizona had hundreds, you know, three, 400 yards of offense in that first half alone. And there were so many opportunities where the drive ended in a punt or there was a turnover or something wacky that just prevented them from getting in the end zone with a touchdown. You've got to be able to finish those drives and, as improved as the roster is, it's going to come down to one thing. I think when you look at a lot of these games, maybe aside from Washington and USC, because even if JDL plays well, I, I just don't see how they win those games. But this team is going to win games because of JDL or they're going to lose games because of JDL. I just I just don't really think there's much of an in-between based on what we've seen. Now, against UTEP, he did do some good things. I thought he was efficient. I thought he didn't force throws kind of like, he, like how he did against Mississippi right. State that resulted in all those interceptions. But just be smart out there. And like what we talked about this morning on ESPN Tucson, you've got weapons, right? You've got the plethora of receivers. You've got the running backs. This isn't you versus the world. I mean, you've got some options on offense. So even if that guy is not deep five, 10 yards further down the field, like you want, just check the ball down, use your legs, be elusive, be smart with the football, because when he does that, he's a, he's a very good quarterback when he plays smart. And see, that's the thing too, is that he's got the talent around him. And I think Ben, you hit the nail on the head and we're going to uh, get to that in just a second, this the talent around him, but first DraftKings. All right, here's the deal. All right. This is the time of the year that you want to hop in on DraftKings and you don't want to miss a moment of any of the action. New customers can score $150 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on a baseball game right there. Okay, now check it out right here. Now, gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort licensee uh partner golden nugget lake charles uh louisiana 21 plus age uh, varies by jurisdiction void in ontario see uh uh, dkng.co uh, slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gambling uh, sources are uh, base, uh, excuse me bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions do apply this is why I like Shane Diefenbach being able to do those. He's much better at those than I am. Um, also, why don't we get in right now our DraftKings pick of the week while well, we can. My DraftKings pick of the week is this. I like Arizona to cover the 12 and a half against Stanford. What say you, Ben? What say you, Brad Alice? I'll take – I'll concur with you, Mike Luke. I'll take the cover as well on the Stanford game. Yeah, unless you want to be gutsy and, and tell me Stanford wins outright and you want to take the money line <laughs> – I don't see how Arizona – I don't see Arizona squeaking this one out. I either see them winning by 21 or I see them just falling apart. I don't see a middle ground where they luck into a 17-14 you know, win. That being said, I probably just cursed it. Get ready for a 17-14 yeah. win. <laughs> but, yeah, I, if I was uh, putting the money on the line, I would, uh, I would, I would give the 12 and a half. All right. Now we got to talk about a little bit about the offense here and our, our good friend, Anthony Jamino, who every now and then comes across something good. He believes that uh, Arizona has never had a wide receiver like uh, Tedaroa McMillan here at the, or at the U of a um, I've always felt that uh, I've always felt Dennis Northcote was the best wide receiver I've seen at the U of a McMillan. I believe barring injury, Brad is going to pass him and leave here as the best wide receiver in school history. He is unique and he's really unique f across a lot of, programs but he 
He is a tall receiver who's also athletic. Arizona's had tall receivers, um, but they've generally been bulkier uh, Jerron Kreider types, your possession types. Even Jerron Kreider might be the closest thing we've seen to T Mac right. because he at least had a little bit of burst. But I'm thinking like of the Troy Dickey types. He was right. probably 6'2, 6'3, maybe 6'4. Most of the guys who are possessed T Mac's athleticism have been 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, if you're lucky, you know, I, I'm going to go way back, like Derek Hill at, at six foot, um, maybe 6'1. There just hasn't been many of those guys. The bigger guys have been possession. The smaller guys have been your athletes. He's that rare combination. He's far more like what we've seen of late at Ohio State, at Clemson, at USC. These big, tall, yet athletic, yet can catch um, receivers. Because sometimes you get these big athletic receivers, they just can't catch and they become safeties. Um, He's got got all the tools. And that's why – if he is not a first or second round draft pick barring injury, I'd be shocked because he's, he's just kind of a freak. Um, and I mean that in the good way, you know, um, the only way guys with his tools don't get drafted. And again, here's your chief's drinking game. Um, Justin Ross, who was a star at Clemson as a freshman, broke back his injury. foot, broke his back, um, right. went undrafted free agent. Now he's in the league. Um, if Justin Ross was healthy, he would be, on that long line, again, Clemson receivers, USC receivers, uh, Ohio State receivers that fill up the first round. Ben, you're the one. You live in you live in Los Angeles, Ben White, making all the money over there, keeping us uh, keeping our communication lines uh, going very strong. You made the point though yesterday, or or you made a point a while back too that. McMillan just looks different. He looks like a dude that, like Brad said, should be at USC, not Arizona. We will gladly take him though. Yeah, there's a reason he could have went to any school in the country, right? And when you got a guy like that, it's it's a game changer. I know Arizona's had a plethora of receivers over the last 10 years, especially you think back to some of these guys like Caleb Jones, Sean Poindexter, Samaje Grant, et cetera, but none of those were guys like we're talking about right here. And when you have a talent like that that can go out there any day, any game, and just dominate the way he does, I mean, Arizona's going to be in a good spot. And um, I think that trend is going to continue with talent. I mean, you see it with him. You see some of the talent of Polito on the offensive line. Some of these other guys we're bringing in, Elijah rushing next year. Mm-hmm. Um, all it takes is one five-star, right? All it takes is one big guy like that. And if you're a smart coach and if you're recruiting correctly and you're following the plan, uh, that domino will fall. And you'll get more guys like that that come through the program that look different, that want to be there because Arizona is slowly building up that reputation out west that, yeah, we get these types of guys. And you couldn't say that the past 10 years. Let's get to some of these. All right. Cosmic contrarian, our guy being a contrarian right here. All right. I don't understand this point of view because there are other people that believe this as well. And I uh, please uh, tell me where I'm wrong here. I'll be amazed if we achieve six wins with this schedule. I expect Arizona should be able to beat Stanford. And granted, I know it's a rivalry game, but you should be able to beat ASU. You got you're better across the board on with both those teams. Then you look at the rest of the schedule right there. Why can't you get two games out of that? Excuse me, that UCLA, Colorado, Washington State, Oregon State uh, uh, quartet and just keep going. You you can get two wins out of there. Am am I crazy? Am I just being Mike Luke fanboy right there? I think the thing is you can get them, but they're certainly not gimmies because right now every team you listed has played better than Arizona this season. Um, I mean, you, you look at, 
I mean, UCLA, and granted, they haven't played a daunting schedule, but the Coastal Carolina is not bad. They they beat them by two touchdowns. They beat San Diego State 35-10, obviously. Um, you know, Washington State handled a pretty good Wisconsin team. Yeah, granted, Wisconsin's probably a six-win, seven-win team, but that's the thing is right now, Arizona just, to me, hasn't been overly impressive. Um, they've right. been fine. They've been good. Uh, you know, and again, the NAU game, we all got spoiled by that Rich Rod shellacking of them. More often than not, Arizona Bowl teams beat a- NAU like 35-10. Um, but, you know, offensively, Arizona, I, I think, is underachieved with what they have. With I mean, that many quality receivers, with that many uh, quality running backs, with, you know, and again, the line's a little... So, well, I think there's only two teams on paper Arizona can't beat unless they fall apart, and that's mm-hmm. Washington and USC. And, again, those are the games Arizona seems to win some of those. All those other teams right now at this moment are played better than Arizona. So I well, think me... it is tough. I think it is daunting. That being said – But you just got to get two out of we're those. Not, we're not in a vacuum. It's not static. Teams right, but... improve. And guess what? traditionally over the last few two years, we don't have a huge Jed fish teams get better. So it could very well be that by the time you play UCLA or, uh, you know, Washington state, I think Washington state to me is still the, the toughest team. On, I just, I really like this Washington state team. Uh, you know, you're one, you're one uh, big hit on DJ Ugalele and he's throwing five picks. So it's not impossible, but, if the lines are out now for those games, there's going to, there's going to be the the underdog in all those games. So that's why I think it is, it's daunting. Impossible? No, not at all impossible. Because the difference between, let's say, Utah at four, assuming they're the fourth best team, and Cal at 10 in this league is minimal. Right. Um, they're, they're all yeah. good. Some are better. But uh, it's not easy. There's no break. There's no rest. There's no – you don't get – you know, you don't get a Mercer in November like they do in the SEC. You right. don't get, you know, even Cal. Like, I think Cal is clearly 10th, but they're not a bad football team. But you're just going from one, right. you know, on paper seven-win team to one seven-win team to an eight-win team only, in a row. Only need, you only need two out of those six games, though. And Cosmic Contrarian, uh, come on, you, you got to bring the facts right here. They don't even play Oregon this year, so you don't have to worry about losing to Oregon. Second of all, let's talk Colorado for a second here. Um, Colorado, like I said, Dion is an awesome story. It's been Colorado for 50 minutes was getting dominated by Colorado state against Nebraska. They went into the half up what uh, 13 to three because Nebraska fumbled the ball five times. They didn't look good in that game either. Why is Colorado all of a sudden this team that has looked so good when I think if the shoe was on the other foot, if Arizona had played exactly like this against those three teams, Brad, I don't think we would be sitting here saying that Arizona is a ranked caliber team. Am I missing something? No. A lot of it's the fact is they've played a solid schedule. Um, you know, when you play basically two power five teams and then a okay Mountain West team, that's a good schedule. And they've been – offensively yeah, pretty fair. good in those games. Um, you know, again, TCU's not not the team they were last year, and they're not a great defensive team. Colorado moved the ball at will on them. Once they figured it out against Nebraska, they moved the ball at will on them. The other thing that to me is the thing that I am most impressed about Colorado, 
late games. They've been awesome. They they outplayed TCU in the final ten minutes. They outplayed. That was my big worry about uh, uh, Dion. How would he coach in crunch time? How would he coach when he had to make important decisions? And so far, he's it's either him or it's his assistants or both. They've been better. They out schemed Colorado State over the last two minutes of that game in overtime. Colorado State had no clue after shutting too. them down. Yeah. For right. 48 minutes. That touchdown on, on the 49-yard touchdown because they all decided to play the tight end, and then they couldn't cover the tight end the rest of the game. That kid, that's good. And then again, their office coordinator is really good. He was a head coach. That's what's impressive about Colorado. Colorado is going to give up points. If And if Arizona can take those points, then yeah, Arizona has a legit chance. But they're not a doormat. And they've got weapons and they've got speed. They're impressive talent-wise. Again, I think they're going to come back down to earth, but they're not going to be the the three win team we thought they were. Um, so again, that's a tough one. Can Does Arizona win? Absolutely, but Arizona ben, could also throw three picks and be in big trouble. Ben, does it change your opinion though? If let's say they play Colorado or Oregon and they lose fifty two to seventeen, in terms of bowl eligibility, Colorado, like if they played back to Arizona, and then Brad, you hop on that one as well. Got it. Well, I mean, the thing is, I think when you look at the schedule and the way things have played out, you really, if they won that Mississippi state game, I would say no problem. You're going to make a bowl, but to Brad's point, uh, these games week by week, there are going to be different stories and you're going to need some things to go your way. I think Colorado is going to level off. Uh, like Brad said, I don't think they're going to be a three win team, but I could certainly see them being a five, six win team. As long as Shadur Sanders is out there, anything's possible. He's already been sacked 15 times. We know the roster is nowhere near where it needs to be for them to be competitive per se in the conference. But as long as you've got him and if you've got Travis Hunter, they're going to upset some people. They're going to win some games. TCU is interesting because I was having a, this conversation with our good buddy, Anthony Jamino before the NAU game, uh, just talking about that game because it had taken place that day. And AG said something very interesting. And it's something that we all realize at this point. But he said, if, if it were up to him, he wouldn't have had TCU in his top 25 for Lindy's and talking with Dodd and a lot of these other guys, I guess they agreed. And, you know, I think the thing was right. It's hard to take a team that was in the national title. Granted they got killed, but to not even put them in the yeah. top 25. So point is TC is not a very good team. That win was obviously a game changer for Colorado because everybody was watching, etc. The Dion story is great, but are they going to level off? Absolutely. But to Arizona's point, I mean, Washington, USC, I think it's fair to say Arizona's probably not going to win those games. We never know. But again, Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA, Colorado, Arizona could win some of those games or they could lose all those games. It's very possible. So there's no give me here's. But at the same time, I think we have to meet somewhere in the middle. I think it's unfair to say, oh, well, two out of five, no problem. But it's also unfair to say, oh, no chance. There's somewhere in the middle because we just don't know what's going to happen. There could be injuries. Um, one of these teams could level off like we've talked about. There's just so much unknown in this conference. And as talented as this conference is, the unknown is what makes it so fun this year. Kind of ironic how uh, the last year in the Pac-12, it turns out that way, right? <laughs> that's the most Pac-12 thing ever. Also, if you have something's unknown or you don't want people to really know what you're thinking, why not get Shady Rays? You can have Shady Rays on your face. It makes you look better. And on top of that, nobody knows what you're thinking. Here's the deal. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code PHNX for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. I am going to go on record and say that Ray Anderson, because he's not cool, does not wear Shady Rays. 
He's a different type of Shady Rays, but not the good one. Yeah, not the good Shady Rays. All right, now, that was We really could play good. that Dennis Dodd audio, like, all day long. I could listen to that for days. Yeah, no, that was very good. Dennis Dodd, was, <laughs> Dennis Dodd here was on here Wednesday, and he was making fun of uh, Michael Crow, and he says, and he was going, uh, and he actually impersonated him, and he says, you know, there's this thing where you can take the image of the game, and then you can play it back and you can capture the moments and the scenes. And he says, I don't know what to tell you there, Michael, but we've had that technology for about 20 years now. It's very good. Um, we actually, I actually should have had that up there. I do apologize. Um, all right, let's talk about the defense. Brad, um, for the young generation, like the, uh, the good Ben Whites of the world, um, they didn't grow up with watching basically opposite of what we've watched here over the last 10 years, where Arizona had top five defenses every single year in the country. And their offense was, uh, to put it mildly, abysmal. Now, um, we had, we've had offenses and no defenses. This is the first defense. And again, I'm not going to sit here and say that this is a uh, the great defense because we don't know. But this is the first defense that I've seen here at the U of A probably in about six or seven years, maybe, heck, maybe since Scooby Wright was here, that at least has – players that look the part difference makers to a certain extent so far so good with the defense there brad yeah um we're not talking swarm era but could they be some of those larry smith defenses maybe um i'll tell you what to me it's at least the front sevens the best collection of front seven down they've probably had uh since the trio i dubbed the cowboys from hell brooks reed deandre reed and uh ricky elmore uh, with Big Earl Mitchell in the middle, they had some good linebackers. Four NFL uh, players. Yeah, so that was uh, probably the last time Arizona was imposing up front. And right now, they're not a great pass rush. Uh, but I tell you what, those those big guys in the middle, led by uh, Big Bill Norton, um, plug it up the middle. The ends have been competent. They don't let a lot of guys get outside of them. They have right. been able to get some pressure on the quarterback. Uh, the linebacking core has been... Uh, pretty darn good. Manu's been good. Flo's been just making plays. Um, I think this is going to be another good Justin Flo game because this isn't, even though Troy Taylor is trying to turn this into a very modern offense, they still got a lot of that old personnel there. Um, you know, uh, Hibili has been pretty good as well. So yeah, the front seven, or we call it a front six, I guess, with the two linebackers have been very good. And frankly, the back end has not been bad. Um, you know, when you're looking at a game against UTEP and you're kind of disappointed they gave up 10 before <laughs> yeah, the season. You know, you're like, problem to have. they gave yeah. up a touchdown. To, um, they've been they've been, and they were with the exception of two drives, they were very, very good against Mississippi State. You know, obviously there's that first drive, they adjusted. Um, you know, Mississippi State had to score on some short fields. They had the first drive of the second half. Um, and you know, overtime that was a tired, beat up team, and the kid just missed a tackle in space. Um, but yeah, Arizona's defense has been better than expected. As down as I am a little bit on an offense, and that's ironic, an offense averaging what about 31, 32 points a game and like 500 yards, I'm high on the defense. Now, can they hold USC and UC uh, uh, Washington to 10, 17 points? No, but can they hold them to 35? Maybe. And if you do that, you got a chance. If you can keep the other teams in the Pac-12 to high 20s, low 30s, you've got that that chance. If you can hold them to 17 and you get a good Jaden Delora, suddenly you're winning those football games, Mike, that you think they're going to win. 
Um, so to me, yeah, the defense is, is, is very important. They've been very good. As for the most part of special teams, with the exception of that one punt return against Mississippi State, special teams have been very good. Loop has the clutch kick. They've had some good punts. Uh, they haven't given up a lot of big returns. Um, so, yeah, I'm optim- as As concerned as I am about this offense, I'm optimistic about this defense. And, again, as some of these young guys get more reps, Prysock and uh, Takario Davis, uh, to, to name two, I think they're just going to get better because those guys are going to get experience. Now, they're going to have a little, little trial by fire in a couple of weeks here uh, when they when they, you know, when they they you know have to play Michael Penix and, and those receivers. But so far, so great, really. All right. All right, Tony Clifton, do you think Jed brings in a QB through the portal? No, I would be fair, pr- pretty surprised by that. I don't expect Delora to be back next year. Um, and I think this is going to be an open competition between Noah Fafita, Braden Dorman, and Damon Williams. I mean, you got Noah Fafita, who we obviously know about, and then you got two four-star QBs in there. I would be surprised, maybe a caretaker, but it's going to be one of those three that's going to be the starter. And I would be very surprised if Noah Fafita wasn't that opening game starter. Only way I don't see it happen is if, an elite type quarterback. Like let's say there's a coaching change at a big time school. Right. Or, you know, something happens. Your Sanders and, wants to come to Arizona. You take it. You know, one of those two Texas quarterbacks get disillusioned. And then you're having a hard time turning down kind of like in a weird way. And he's not as good. Um, Lamonius Craig, Arizona didn't need a receiver. You don't say no to that kid. And right. it would have to be a better version of that. Obviously. Um, but yeah, if, if, you know, if, if you or someone on that level was like, Hey, I want to come to Arizona and learn under Jed fish. You're like, yes. But if you're, you're, you're not taking, you know, the backup quarterback at North Carolina, um, you're not taking, you're not taking the, this year's version of Jaden Delara. Right. Exactly. Right? You, you might take this year's version of like a Jackson dart or something, but no, you're not, you're not just taking a, a, a good to very good quarter. It had to be something you can't turned down all right a couple things you mentioned the a you look at this saturday neon right here i am remiss to on the post game show tomorrow i will have it lit up i do apologize but go to saturdayneon.com and use phnx for 10 percent off your order today free shipping for orders over 200 right here support the two brothers that put this together and made this happen uh let's see saturday neon makes me look better than i should and four peaks the Four Peaks, we got, we're going to have a little bit of basketball talk coming up right here. The Four Peaks swept the conscious of the nation this past year. And not only that, it's the official brew. Brad, you couldn't even keep a straight face with that. Visit. Four no, Peaks. I just really liked it, actually. Right. Visit fourpeaks.com backslash locator to find all your favorite brewery tours and events. Stein Holding, Oktoberfest, and Haunted Brewery Tours are right around the corner. Check out Four Peaks Brewer, Four Peaks Pub to keep up with the latest at Arizona's hometown brewery. Must be 21 years or older to drink Four Peaks. Please drink responsibly. Okay. Um, Justin Flo, and then we're going to get game predictions. Then we're going to get to a little bit of hoops. Um, and actually, we're going to make fun of ASU as well. I'm going to add that to the agenda. Um Justin Flo is a player that I think you're almost, and again, Fish, I think, has done a great job here. I think they almost got a little too cute with this one. Flo's one of those dudes that, you know what, you pick up one end of the stick, you pick up the other, but guess what? One end of the stick is a 10, and the other one is a 3, which is better than being a 4 across the board. This dude is a difference maker out there. He's a You can see why he was so highly rated. Guys, he has a suddenness that nobody else on this team has. In my opinion, he has to be out there on the football field, guys. Yeah, I think they're going to get more of him out there. I mean, he's interesting because, like, position-wise, he doesn't mold into one thing. I mean, 
he's a guy who can roam the field sideline to sideline. He can also rush the passer. Um, I get there's been some hesitation there, but like you said, Mike, there's a reason why he played at Oregon. There's a reason why he had the choices that he did. And it goes back to this whole defense and this whole concept of depth, not only talent, but depth. I mean, you've got a variety of guys to rotate um, on that defensive line. You've got more options. You've obviously got the foundation with, with Upshaw and Norton and I, I get all that. Right. But in that linebacker spot and in that secondary spot, um, there's not maybe one clear cut guy, but Flo could definitely become that guy in a couple of weeks. And you've got enough pieces to rotate. Um, it'd be fascinating to see on the defensive side, how uh, Maldonado does this week. I know he had a better game last week after struggling the first two games, but I mean, there's a lot of puzzle pieces to play with on this defense. And we were talking about it this morning. I mean, statistically, Arizona's top 25 nationally in almost every category. I think seventh in red zone defense, uh, 24th in rushing. That's an area that needs to improve. But still, I mean, to go from like the worst team in college football when it comes to stopping the run a year or two ago to where they are now um, just goes to show you what the portal can do, what recruiting can do with college football in 2023, just how quickly they were able to fix this defense. And I guess we could have seen it coming, right? Because Jed said, I'm going to fix the offense here uh, second year. He did exactly that and said he was going to fix the defense this year. And we're at a point where um, we were going into this season talking about Ben don't break, but definitely surpassing those expectations for sure, for sure. Just hopefully they stay healthy and have a good season here in, in conference play. But they've definitely been impressive so far. Brad, can we get a prediction from you guys right here? Oh, I was just going to mention, you, you just find a way to use Justin Flo. I mean, yeah. Scooby Wright was not great in pass coverage. Right. He's a top five linebacker in school history. Um, just figure it out, whether that's rushing the quarterback, whether that's pulling Manu out and putting the safety in there to do some more coverage. Just figure it out. Um, and my guess is that he struggled with some of the concepts in practice and that he's just a gamer. He's just one of those. He, he's he's the defensive version of Nick Foles, who wasn't right. a great practice quarterback, but then just won football games. My prediction, Arizona 38, Stanford 13. All right. So you're back. All right. You're back in the A and you're back in the cover on the Bet MGM and DraftKings right there. Ben White, what do you got? I will stick with mine from this morning. I'll do 38 to 10 U of A. All right, I am going to go 45 to 13 for all the people out there. Um, Cosmic Contrarian, this is for you. We are going to see the offense break out right there, and we are all going to be very happy with the outcome. All right, let's get to a little bit of U of A basketball here. Ben brought up some really good stuff on the uh, show notes. Ben, appreciate you on the show notes for uh, ESPN in Tucson. You're the man. Um, this scheduling for Tommy Lloyd – um, I think Murph was saying it the other day that the only thing that really compares to this is that early that 2000 and what? Uh, what no, no, excuse me. Was it the 99 2000 with Gardner Arenas or no, excuse me. It was 2001 2 with uh, Gardner when you were played like six top 15 teams in a period of about three weeks. Uh, what the, there was the mass exodus. It was a, this, this is a loaded roster that we have not seen before or a loaded schedule that we have not seen in over two decades. When you got Duke, when you got Michigan state, when you got FAU, when you got uh, Purdue, just keep going on down the list. This is some impressive stuff. Well, I mean, it is, it is loaded with big 10 teams. Yeah, but don't, but yes. no, but there, no, I know. I'm just, I'm feeding it's into your joke. But yes. Well, well, here's the deal. You got what, seven tough games? Maybe it's eight if they added FAU. I, I, I can't, even if you go 500 in that, you're fine. Mm -hmm. Cause you're fine. Um, people, 
people forget that, you know, and you're talking about, uh, you know, back that oh one team the year before, the one that went to the championship was an eight or nine loss team that was a two seed because of their schedule and because they got hot at the end of the year, obviously when Luke came back after, unfortunately, Bobby's passing. Um, if you have a strong schedule, you can get with seven losses what a weak schedule gets you with three losses. Right. Um, so does Arizona need to win? Yeah, you can't go one and seven in those games. But if you even go 500, you're fine because the Pac-12 is not going to be very good. Um, assuming Arizona is as good as we think they are, you know, you go, you lose four, those four of those games, you go 14 and four in the Pac-12, you're probably a two or three seed and you're right where you need to be. See, I don't you win a few of those more, you're over 500. And suddenly you're because of your strength of schedule, because you're playing true road games at Duke. Um, you're in contention for that one seed that you, you really want. See, I, I don't understand. And to, uh, to quote uh, Andrew Trujillo and Ben White, I find it rubbish slash poppycock that um, errors that when people say, well, you know, uh, you don't really benefit from playing good teams out of schedule be- or out of conference because eh, well, what happens if you lose? Nothing happens if you lose. If you go into Duke or Cameron Indoor Stadium and uh, Duke or Cameron Indoor Stadium and you lose that game. Guess what? It's the first game, the second game of the season that it will not be held against you because Duke was the preseason number one team in the country. It only can help you. I do not understand this theory about not wanting to play good teams because it might result in a loss. To me, it is rubbish, Ben White. Well, it's an outdated theory. I mean, maybe 15 years ago, yeah, but the committee has shown you're in and you're out, right? We're going to punish you for more not playing anybody than having some good competitive losses on your schedule um, against good, high-quality teams. And that's what Arizona's got to do. I mean, this year, I mean, let's go through it, right? Morgan State, who cares? At Duke, right? Southern Belmont, UT Arlington, who cares? Michigan State and Palm Springs, like we talked about, that's going to be a big one. Wisconsin, yes, Wisconsin, Purdue, Alabama, Florida Atlantic. I mean, that's that's a heck of a lineup right there. And um, that's just the nature of how college hoops is this year. And let's be honest here. You got to get ready for next year because when you go in the big 12, that regular season is going to be no cakewalk. My friend, that's going to be the best college basketball conference in the country. And Arizona is going to lose a good amount of games. I mean, I I just think you need to get used to it. And I think it's going to be an adjustment for these fans, but how many times have we talked about going into the tournament, whether it was this year or even previous teams recently, where you think Arizona's good on paper, they play well, they take care of business during the regular season, they look good throughout the Pac-12 tournament, and then we get in that first and second round game and we say, yeah, Arizona's a 1-2-3 seed, they look good, They we think they match up well, but we don't know how tough they are, or we don't know how right. this matchup's going to look. It, it's just a game of question marks when it comes to the NCAA tournament for this program the last few years. And when you're playing teams in the Big 12, let's be honest, the level of physicality is there. Uh, the quality of the opponent is there. You're going to learn a lot earlier what type of team Arizona really is, I think, more than you've ever seen before. William? Yeah, it's also opportunities to get better. Um I think you could argue, remember, loot teams used to come out of the gate strong, kind of tail off around the holidays and then pick it up. What? But what happened when you lose at Syracuse? You lose at Elsh- he, used, he used those to build and as teachable moments and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, again, three or four non-conference losses with this schedule. Now, again, if you lose to Southern at home, that's a different story. But let's say you lose to Duke, you know, 
at the Michigan State game and, and Alabama. It's not it's barely gonna affect your seating. Um, but again, you go six and two in those games, and you go let's say fourteen and four in the Pac twelve, you're a one seat. Because your strength of schedule is going to be one, two, three. And we saw that a lot of times in the loot era where their strength of schedule either got them a higher seed than their record looked like or got them in the tournament, uh, you know, over in, in those late years when they were always kind of on the bubble, but they always played people. So they got in. So, and Ben's right. The committee is putting a greater emphasis now than ever on not only strength of schedule, but true road games. I think it was Arizona have one or two of those. Uh, in this slate, and th- and those are important. Um, so yeah, I, I I know some of the reason why Sean Miller did it. I never agreed with it, and um, you know some of his teams just didn't look ready for prime time. A lot of them did. I mean, they were great in the tournament early in his career, but you know, right these now, games I do, do nothing but help. It's co- it's not college football where two losses knocks you out unless you're Alabama. I do, yes, whereas three yeah. losses might knock you out, but not necessarily. Whereas one thing I do like about Lloyd, and we've talked about this a great deal, is that he he was able to take, and again, I know I'm a broken record on this. I don't care. Um, he was able to take inventory, though, I think after two years of, let's be honest here, awesome regular seasons and crappy postseasons. There's, there's really no other way to put it. That he needed to get tougher. He needed to get better ball handlers, and he did just that. I personally think this is going to be his team that is best equipped to do things in the tournament this coming year. Um, and a big reason why is a guy like a Keyshaw Johnson, for example. This is with all due respect to Julius Tabellis, who is a very good player. But Julius Tabellis was kind of the epitome of kind of your front runner type basketball player. In that when things are going well, you know, he's going to score some buckets. He's going to move. He's going to get it. But he really wasn't that tough. And when things really came down to the nitty gritty, Zoo was generally never anywhere to be found. Keyshaw Johnson, I'm not saying he's going to average 20 and 9, but he is going to provide a toughness and athleticism perspective that Arizona did not have up front this past year. I like bringing in Jaden Bradley and Caleb Love because these are guys that can make plays off the bounce, something that Arizona did not have last year at all. I am incredibly excited to watch this team. By the way, we're going to be doing a red-blue post-game show next uh, next Friday night. Go ahead, Garrett, guys. Uh, which one of you wants to take my great point and run with it? Well, here's the thing, and I want to uh, – TR Burns, 826, kind of stole my point. The Pac-12 has not been good the last two years, and it's not right. going to be good this year. So learning from what Gonzaga went through, they, they scheduled heavy. Secondly, where are they going next year? Big 12. The what? Best, Best basketball, basketball conference, conference in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have stretches in the Big 12. They're going to look like that stretch in the non-conference. Right. Minus Southern and what was it Howard or, or whoever. Um, so this is also prepping for next year. We're getting these guys used to that meat grinder, but you're right. They, they, there's a very good chance. The PAC 12 has three good teams this year. Um, so that means you're going to play whatever it is, six good games. I don't even know if they get them all twice. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot of dogs. So yeah, you got to toughen these guys up. You got to get them ready. You've got to get them. And again, you've got to let, these young guys get punched in the mouth by, by, and, and, and then coach them up after. Cause there's going to be a game where, as much as we love Mount Crevis, some six foot seven athletic power forward from Alabama is going to eat his lunch, uh, which it maybe Kashad's already doing that in practice because he's the same guy. And then what happens? You can go and you can work on it in practice. You figure out what you guys need 
um, what what your deficiencies are, which you can't necessarily do when you're running a layup drill against Southern. <laughs> when you're, you know, somehow magically shooting 85% behind the arc because a bunch of six-foot guys are guarding you. Um, for Gardner, well, I don't even know. I haven't looked at the schedule. Gardner Webb. Um, so that's what I think it is. Uh, again, strength of schedule, toughness, correction, uh, teaching, which is what Tommy Lloyd does, and that, that's why I like the schedule. Ben White? Couldn't have said it better. I mean, this schedule is the blueprint for what the future of this program is going to look like for, for a long time because you're headed to the Big 12. Um, the opponents are, are no joke. Uh, every single game, you're going to have to be on point, whether it's November, whether it's January, late February. There are no days off, and this team has to get ready for that. And Lloyd recognized it quickly. I mean, college basketball, college football, that's what's so cool about both the sports now is you can make those changes very quickly. And unlike Sean Miller – he recognized that he's not being stubborn. He realizes that we need to need it to get more physical. We needed to get more tough. And as a result, you got, you get, you get guys in here like love, like Johnson, etc. I think what's interesting and a little bit more, um, I guess, fine tuned than last year's team is I get, there's going to be some questions, I guess, per se with Boswell and love, but really not in the sense that are they going to play? They're both going to play. We all know that. But outside of that, these guys all have pretty clear definitive roles. Like you were talking about Kashaw Johnson. He definitely is not somebody who needs to come here and put up 20 and nine. He's not a huge scorer, but can he put up 12 and 10 a game? Yeah, absolutely. Can he be physical and kind of be that anchor on defense? Absolutely. Right. Because in clutch times last year, when Arizona needed a dog to step up on the defensive side, especially kind of change the tone force some turnovers, be a bully down low there wasn't really that guy to me. The closest two guys were um, Ramey and, and Boswell. I mean, there was nobody up front. I know, ba I know uh, Balo is good. I know he was hurt with the hand throughout the tournament and even the PAC 12 tournament, but you didn't really have that dog. And I look across this roster and I see hungry guys. I see talented guys. I see physical guys. And most importantly, Mike, I see some NBA potential. Last year's roster, we didn't have that. Had none of that. Now, you mentioned hungry players right there. That comes right in with OGs. All there right. Check out our good friends at OGs. These segues are fantastic. I deserve a raise just off of these segues alone. That's how good these are right here. Probably don't deserve a raise for anything else except the segues. Now, check out the friends or check out our friends at OGs brands for yourself and try one or a few of their mini delicious flavors. Check them out across all socials at OGs Brands and online at ogsbrands.com. To find them at a local dispensary near you, you must be 21 years or up to enjoy responsibly all kinds of good stuff. The fruits, the watermelons, the peach, you name it, they got it. Check it out, OGs. And we'll get to your comments here in just a second, but there's never been a better time to become a PHNX diehard. Go to gophnx.com. The great Anthony Cimino is now. We decided to help him out bring him on board here because you know ag is trying to cut his teeth in the uh, reporting industry a little bit decided to bring him in he's added a great deal of stuff right there also you can get uh, good merchandise discord um all kinds of fun stuff Should become a phnx diehard today all right aaron sepulveda um uh, mike with uh, this is an interesting question I, I don't really ever subscribe to the final four bust i will say this there's probably been two times in my lifetime where I felt that it was a Final Four bust type team. It was the one in uh, ninety, uh, excuse me, ninety eight when they came off the title again. 
just because you won a title, you returned, you had the best team in the country. And 01, I felt, was kind of a Final Four bust as well. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff that went on there. But generally, I don't subscribe to that theory because there's just so much that has to happen. But I do believe that this year's team is, at the very least, at the very least, a Sweet Six, that second weekend team or bust type um, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to ever put a final four bus type situation, Brad, but I also don't, um, I see what Aaron's saying though, because let's be honest here, Arizona fans want to get back to the final four. It has been far too long. Yeah. I mean, the NCAA is such a crap shoot that, you know, we saw it with those two great Miller teams that both of them were probably better than those Wisconsin teams, but weird things happen. The offensive foul, um, yeah, it's really tough to say. Again, all it takes is one f- – look, 98, took a freak defense and, and, a, and, a, and a bad night by Michael Dickerson, and, and you're out. Right. Um, Wait a second, a bad night by Michael Dickerson in a big tournament game? Yeah, shocker. Well, yeah, shocker. Um, you know, you go back to 89 and, and again – Anderson Hunt. Lofton trying to draw the charge. Just play defense, Kenny. Come on. Um, conversely, yeah, you get lucky. I mean, th- that – Kansas team, Arizona beat 97 is one of the 10 best college basketball teams I've ever seen. And I, Arizona, I, I believe to this day, it's Roy Williams best team. I know he's got yeah. teams that win the title. I believe that's his best team today. No, I think so. You look at that team, that team was low. Arizona was the better team that night. And, and they were actually, frankly, almost the better team a year before too. Um, but to me, there's been maybe, yeah, it's really hard to say. Now, if this team's as good as I think they are, then I might tell you elite eight or bust. Um, but most teams at Arizona, most should be Sweet 16 or bust. I agree. Um, there's the occasional rebuilding project team that you're just happy to get in the tournament. There aren't many of those. Um, last year's team was a disappointment because they didn't get to the second weekend. Um, but you know, you can go down like 1990 was that team for loot. Uh, you know, go down the list. Um, there's been playing, but yeah, if this team is not in the second weekend, barring major injuries or deportation issues or um, Umar Balo eating three teammates. Um, this team should be in the second weekend and, and they might be a team who's good enough to make that, that, that run that, yeah, it's been far too long. Let me ask you this, Brad, in the next five years, does Arizona make a final four? God, I hope they make multiple, but you, yeah, they should. If right. Lloyd's as good as I think he is and they continue to, to recruit well and mine the, yeah, they should. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's crazy because again, I can make an argument that in Oh three, they were the best team in the country. They didn't go to a final four. Oh five. They were, the, they were one of the two or three best teams in the country. Didn't go to the final four. Uh, was it 13, 14 or 14, 15? Those were two of the best teams in America, even with Brandon Ashley getting hurt and they didn't get to a final four. Conversely, 97, they weren't, and they won a national title. That's how college you know basketball. You about 97 in hindsight, though, and granted we have. 97 was, I would argue to this day, is the most talented perimeter in college basketball in recent history. You had two, again, two, uh, and they became that, obviously. You had two consensus first-team AP All-Americans in the backcourt and Bibby and Simon. You had... Uh, and Michael Dickerson, you had a third team All-American. Then in 98-99, you had a guy that would go on to be the National Player of the Year in Jason Terry. That stacks up to me with anything, honestly, that Kentucky or Duke or any of those schools have ever put out there. I but see- they were – they. I remember when that season started, they had that game against Ed Coda, and they got the win. Bibby outplayed yeah. Coda. And I'm like, oh, this team's going to be really good next year. Right. Uh, we didn't know that. Because, again, no disrespect – AJ Brown let Donnell Harris and uh, Bennett Davis not exactly. I mean, 
AJ was obviously a fringe NBA player, but that's not a daunting front line. They didn't have to be because again, you're right. The, those four players, you could argue that the four players on the perimeter are top 15 overall players in school history. Um, oh, I think. Oh, with well, Bibby, si- Bibby, Bibby is top two or three. Simon's Bibby, top five. Terry's JT's top. He's right there. And Dickerson's probably closer to 15 than he is to 10. But yeah. You had three easy top eight players in school history in uh, in Bibby, Simon, and uh, and Dickerson. Oh, by the way, this is a very good point here by Craig Patterson that I think we're uh, we're also in '97. Oh, we also- by the way, um, unless someone has stolen the photo, Saguaro High School graduate Craig Patterson. I like that. It's great. All right, very cool. Did not know that. Um, but I he, that was also a uh, the Pac-12 in the mid '90s was awesome. I mean, not awesome, but it was very good. You had the only times I ever feared teams in the Pac-12 uh, from an Arizona perspective when Lute had things going were those UCLA teams under Herrick because Herrick was a really good coach and he could get the talent that he needed. Mike Montgomery, I never feared them, but they were a top 10 program. Then you always had like two or three teams kind of in that fringe top 25 that traded spots right there, whether it would be, um, whether it would be, uh, by the way, Craig Patterson, is this, this, do you have a brother named Daniel Patterson? You do. uh, If you do, that's awesome. If not, I apologize. But um, the, that's uh, a good point about Gene too. I did leave Gene off of that, but um, again, Gene, very good banger. Wasn't a great, great, not a good basketball player. player, but he was useful. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but again, it was, you had to go through a conference. It was actually good at the time. So, um, that's kind of that. All and right. they played a ridiculously hard schedule. Should sound familiar. Right. For sure. Yes, exactly. I was going to say it's nice. All right, Brad, where can they find you? I know you just put out a recent podcast with a pretty cool uh, title on it to begin with. Um, uh, yeah. Going. So I, I went with the pun on, I went with Cardinal sin and part of that's my disappointment. There was an offense. Part of that is this game. And honestly, I spent more time talking about it than I wanted to, but I talked about the JDL news that came out a couple of days ago and tried to have a nuanced conversation, which I think has been missing on a lot of the, uh, um, you know, Twitters and Facebooks about about it. Um, and I have another one loaded and ready to launch tomorrow morning. If you want my look at the Pac-12 slate of football games, a little Dion talk. And uh, so, yeah, so I'll have two out and um, yeah, talk a lot of sports to, uh, today because I recorded those this morning before work. And now I'm taking my lunch break here to talk to you all. All right. We're privileged to have the one of the sages of the Southwest, William Brad Alice. I think it's green and silver of the Southwest. You can say that as well, my guy. <laughs> All right. For Brad Alice, I'm Mike Luke. We'll be back with you on the post game. Brad, do you want to come on the post game tomorrow? I should be able to barring getting roped into a club baseball father's softball game. All right. Well, you let me know. I'm, we also tap and bottle watch parties tomorrow. I'll be down there about 345. So uh, we'll uh, we will see you then. But for all of you, appreciate all of your comments. You're the ones that make the show. Damon behind the scenes, making us much better than we should ever imagine being. Damon, you're the man. Brad, talk to you soon. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.